Beating the Streets by um, Peter Lynch. Now, Peter Lynch is, if you don't know who he is, he is probably my one of my favorite investing mentors when it comes to the stocks and shares world, alongside Warren Buffett and a few others. And he managed um, the Magellan Fund at Fidelity for 13 years, and which achieved about a 30% CAGR, which basically just means on average, he achieved 30% per year in the 13-year tenure that he had as the fund manager. Um, and he wrote this book, Beating the Street, which is, you know, can be seen as kind of beating Wall Street or doing better than Wall Street in terms of your returns as a retail investor. And I love the book because it's written, again, in a very easy way to follow. Um, and there's so many, so many great takeaways that I took from the book. And as we speak, I'm actually reading it again. I read this book and I was introduced by this book by an analyst, an investment analyst that I um, worked with who took me to the library at work and said, hey, if you really want to get into um, stocks and shares and, and investing, this is one of the best books you can read. And I've been you know, very thankful for that recommendation. And again, I'm reading it again, and I'm still picking up new revelations from the book. Now, in terms of um, some of the key takeaways, the number one takeaway, the number one, absolute number one takeaway that I adopt and I teach and, you know, I use on a day-to-day basis when it comes to stock picking is to know what you own and why you own it. Um, it sounds very, very sim- simple to understand, but essentially what Peter is saying here is when you invest in a company, you need to understand that stocks are not just lottery tickets. They do represent ownership in companies. And for that reason, you should know a lot about the company that you are investing in. And why do you own it? What is your purpose? What is your objective for owning this company? Because if you don't know why you own it and you've bought these companies out of pure vibes, I tend to say, or just by following um, meme stocks and that kind of stuff, when the stock starts to do the opposite and starts to tank, because you don't actually know the purpose of why you bought this stock, you haven't done your research, you don't know the company, you don't know the financials of the company, you don't know how much debt they're in, you start to panic. And this is how a lot of people lose money when it comes to investing in the stock market because they buy things they don't understand. They buy at the high when everything is up and euphoria kicks in, greed kicks in, and then they sell at the low out of fear. So that's something I took from the book and it has really, really, really helped me become a better investor um, for me to understand the stock market. It's just a marketplace where I can go and actually buy shares and quality companies to hold for the long term. So know what you own and why you own it is a phrase that I use over and over and over and over again, not just for myself, but for people that I coach and teach as well. Um, the second one, I mean, he does, he talks about a lot of things in the book, but the second one, again, for me as a, um, as a stock picker is um, he talks about kind of turning, if, if you turn the more stones, you're more likely to, uh, you know, find, find a great, a great um, gem that comes with just understanding that, Hey, you know, if you really want to be a great stock picker, you, you have to research a lot of companies. Um, and that's something that I do. I dedicate at least an hour every single day to just researching companies. Um, not only does it help me become um, someone who can find gems of companies that are not so popular, that m- maybe even Wall Street themselves are not looking at, um, but also it helps me just build my um, experience of being able to spot um, what a quality company is, being able to spot certain trends, um, companies that have worked and and that kind of stuff. So that's another thing that I learned from the book, just being able to research enough companies to come across the gems. 
again, this is more for people that want to do stock picking, but the book essentially is one of the best books that I have read when it comes to investing in the stock market. And many people, when you ask um, many experienced investors what book um, they should, you know, new investors should read, many people start off with The Intelligent Investor, which is which was actually the first book that I bought to um, read when it comes to um, stock picking. And I did learn some gems from the book, but I'll be extremely honest and say I struggled to read that book. And up to today, I've not finished every single part of that book. And I use it more as a textbook than anything. But with Beating the Street, and it's also got another one called One Upon Wall Street, which I would suggest as well, is a much easier read. And I would um, encourage most people to read that book first if they are interested in actual stock picking. Brilliant, man. Uh, Mr. Lynch himself, his record speaks for himself. Such a great author. Um, I've actually read uh, One Up on Wall Street as well. And I'll definitely say what I've gained from um, Peter Lynch, in addition to everything you've said, uh, Jax, is more on the uh, looking at companies that you know. Um, and that you, you, you've you grown up around and, and known to love. And he was the reason why a few years ago, I used, used to say to some people, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're buying, you're spending 70 pounds on Nike Air Force Ones, Listen, you could buy you could buy one share of Nike, almost one share of Nike with uh, that money at the time anyway. Um, yeah. And he just changed my thinking just in around that aspect as well, man. Yeah, he, he talks about it in Beating the Street as well. Um, he talks about um, a thing that he done with a school. I forgot the name of the school. Um, but essentially, the kids had to uh, pick some stocks. Um, and essentially, quite a long story short, the kids were able to outperform Wall Street by picking companies that they recognized. <laughs> so companies like Disney, Nike, as you said, um, I think McDonald's was one of them. And so, yeah, you know, it teaches you that, hey, you should invest in things that you understand. It's similar to what I said earlier, know what you own and why you own it. Mm. Um, if you understand the company, if you've got a comparative advantage in the sense that you understand how the business works and you can see the trends that are picking up, then why, why, why not invest in a company, especially if you are a consumer of that um, company's product or service? Mm, absolutely. And I'm definitely a consumer of Nike, which is a perfect segue for my next book, actually. Um, and that is uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight who um, as many of you may know is the person that invented or brought Nike to the world um, it's such a great um, business book self-development inspirational book um, as I was speaking before I like to just you know learn from different people's journeys um, it was of course a different time I believe if I remember correctly it was around the 60s when he he, he came up with the idea um, and I guess the one of the t key takeaways was around yes you might not be ready for that I don't know big great idea um, but it doesn't mean you can't start um, and with um, Phil Knight when he started if I remember correctly he might have been in his late teens or early 20s with the idea um, of something which then became Nike. Um, Adidas, Puma, they're already massive at those times. So imagine, you know, trying to come up with something and those two companies are smashing it right now. It would be like someone trying to be the next Apple and Microsoft when they're dominating. Um, and yeah, so he came up with the idea and, you know, this, this particular idea that he was going to bring to the world, he took it to these businessmen in Japan. 
bear in mind he had no business experience. He flew to Japan and he went in front of these businessmen. These businessmen actually thought he was a someone just by the way he came across, but he, he wasn't in that aspect in the world of business. They even asked him what's the name of the business and um, the name that he gave them was the first thing that came to his head at that point in time and it was called Blue Ribbon. Um, and the way he pitched the business um, of the idea of um, these trainers and um, the people in Japan, they saw a gap in America because they wasn't producing nothing in America. And they literally just took a pun and almost took a gamble on him. But the reason why that was just inspiring is just because, yes, he had this idea. He didn't have everything right there and then. But he said, listen. I'm just going to go for it, you know, and that's what that's exactly what he done. It wasn't plain sailing from then. He went through a lot of battles, um, but it was just very inspiring. And the book goes into his history and some of those battles that he went through on a personal level. Um, some of the challenges that he had from his friends, from his family as well. And I guess this links into the second uh, takeaway that I'm going to talk about, which is around seeking out after your calling. And this might this calling might not always be your career. It might actually be something different to your career. And the reason why I say that is because Nike was not making no money for several years. Just like many of the big businesses we see today, in their first few years, they're not really making money. Um, and he had to get part-time jobs just to get income during those times. He had to deal with you know family members saying, "What are you doing? Bringing these." these tennis shoes or these shoes that you think is going to change the world for athletes, all of that stuff. He went, uh, uh, you know, through a lot of adversary coming towards him as well, but he he genuinely felt that bringing these, these shoes to the world was going to help change the world. And that was his calling. Um, And for me, that was just so inspirational to see, man. Um, So definitely a a great book um, to read be inspired by but also learned from um someone like phil knight as well that's amazing that's amazing that's not a book i've actually read um and actually one of my uh, mentees is reading the book as we speak so i would also ask him to let me know what he picks up from um the book it sounds like an amazing book and of course we know Nike is a big boy business Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, you know, for those uh, there was a point in time when I was personally invested in them. So that was probably another reason why I read the book as well. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because, you know, know what you own and why you own it, as we always say. Um, cool. So um, the third and final book, um, I was thinking many different options as I've read over 20 books now. Um, and I was thinking, what book can I talk about? Um, but the truth of the matter is, I think we all always have to pay homage to this book because um, it is a book that many, many, many people have read um, and it's changed so many people's lives. And I just, again, I just have to pay homage um, to the book, not only because it changed my life initially and changed my, the way that I was thinking. And even though I don't always agree 100% with what the author has to say about some of his investment philosophies, I think the book um, is just a great book to read um, in terms of just changing the mindset and understanding certain things. And the book is obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a book that was bought for me on my 21st birthday. Um, and I actually didn't read the book um, because I just wasn't interested at the time. But one day, one day, I just managed to pick it up and I started reading the book and I was um, sucked in very, very quickly. 
So it is a book that is easy to read. And again, talking about it before, I am someone who um, didn't read a lot initially. And so I needed a book that was easy for me to follow, a book that will allow me to maintain concentration and interest for a long period of time. And that's what Rich Dad Poor Dad done for me. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, um, a very interesting person, um, learned a lot from him. And some of the key takeaways, I think I'll, I'll keep it very brief and very simple. You learn a lot from the book, but I think what really, really helped me and what really changed my mindset is the first thing that he said, I think rule number one, is that the rich don't work for money. Now, I've read that book at, at 20, uh, probably at 22 years old, and I didn't understand the phrase, what do you mean the rich do not work for money? I think that's a very silly statement. Um, I think everybody works for money because if you were to ask the uh, majority of people, would they continue working without getting paid? I'm sure the majority of people will say absolutely not. So that phrase was quite intriguing for me. What do you mean by the rich do not work for money? And then he goes on to explain exactly what he means in the ideology of, you know, the rich buy assets that then produce the money for them. So what they do is they, they, they work for capital, which then um, they use to invest in assets, which then produces an income. Um, and that's, that's, you know, something that really, really changed my mind because growing up, um, my thought process, my idea was to obviously finish with education. I did a degree. I even went on to do a master's. And my ultimate aim was to, hey, get a good job and work my way up into management or senior role. And then obviously, the more I went up in position, the more money I'll make. And I was going to be rich that way. But um, very quickly, I learned that actually he is right, that the wealthy or the rich, um, I prefer the term wealthy, the wealthy own assets. And the earlier I can start building what he calls my asset column, the better for me in terms of achieving what he calls financial freedom. Um, and so that's what I started doing. You know, he focuses much more on, on real estate. I focus much more on um, owning parts of businesses in the form of stocks and shares especially because that's where my circle of competence is, meaning that's what I understand. That's where, luckily for me as well, I work in the industry of um, investment management. So that's where my knowledge is. So yeah, that's what I learned. The book focuses much more on just, it's, it's what we call an accounting um, formula, which is which most people don't really know that's what it is, but it's all about just understanding assets and liabilities and then um, cash flow um, and obviously expenses and understanding that, you know, to to create a cycle where you can continue building wealth is about buying assets which then produce cash flow rather than just you know getting income from your job and then paying off liabilities and then living paycheck to paycheck so that's what rich dad poor dad really taught me he does talk about other stuff but for me that was my key takeaway not to just work for money to pay off bills but to work for money to use as capital to buy assets which then produce an income which in the future can pay for your liabilities to become I'm financially free. Very deep, man. Very deep. And one of the first things that you said, um, Jax, is that you don't always agree with um, this author in, uh, in particular, um, Mr. Kiyosaki. Um, but that's what all of this is about when we're seeking knowledge and understanding different people's mindsets and why they think the way they think. We don't have to take as the gospel, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a lot of value as well. And you just mentioned so much value 
that you got from the book as well. Um, and Rich Dad, Paul Dad, I mean, is just an amazing book. I'm sure a few of our listeners are aware of the book or have even heard of it. Um, but Jack, also one of the things that I know I've, I've had discussions about uh, with you is the timing of when you read it under age. As yeah. well, speak a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a book that has to be read with a high level of maturity. Mm. And so it's not a book that I would necessarily give to a 13, 14 year old, even though I've seen people mention that on social media, I personally wouldn't. And if I did, I would only um, read that book with the child as a, as a mentor. So he understands or she understands um, that, yes, the book is giving you perspectives. Um, but it's not necessarily something you have to take and run with it completely. Mm. What I mean is, you know, the book talks about things like not going to school and that kind of stuff. And many people could read what he talks about school and think that going to school is, is a bad thing um, and you shouldn't go to school. But for me, I think education, school education is still amazing. I think you can learn a lot from school education. It's a bit like talking about a job. You know, it's not the worst thing to have a job as well. I don't think it's the worst thing, but it's just understanding how to build wealth from even your job. Mm. So it is a book that has to be read with some sort of maturity because you can read that book and it can completely change your perspective um, on things that I personally believe. I don't know about you, Peter, but I personally believe are still good things. Um, and you also mentioned um, just, you know, taking things from different people. Yeah, I love to read and I love Robert Kiyosaki. Honestly, I would love to meet him in person because he was the first person to really change my mentality when it comes to um, building wealth and money and that kind of stuff alongside the richest man in Babylon, the book. But, um, you know, I've read books with Warren Buffett, with, from Warren Buffett, sorry. Um, I've read books with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I've read Peter Lynch's books. I've read books with um, Dave Ramsey. And all of these people have their own personal views and on certain things. And I think it's great to use all of these things as pieces of information and guidance and knowledge, and then using them um, to best suit your objectives and how you see the world and how you want to live your life. Even them, the people I've just mentioned, have disagreements, you know. For example, Robert Kiyosaki talks about gold being real money, but Warren Buffett says he would never touch gold. Um, obviously, someone like Dave Ramsey talks against debt, majority of debt. Sorry, um, majority of debt for him is not a great thing. Um, but then someone like Robert Kiyosaki says debt is money and you should load up on debt as much as possible because, you know, it's isn't it's, it's you know, since Nixon took America of the gold standard, money became debt, he says, so you should use as much debt as possible. Um, so that's what I mean by just understanding where everybody's coming from, mm-hmm. understanding why they are saying the things that they're saying, because they're not all wrong, you know, they have their perspectives, but it's about understanding how it suits you and how you want to progress. Um, and that's that's why I love about reading various different books and getting different perspectives, because mm-hmm. only then can you make a better informed decision as to what makes sense for you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Really appreciate that. Um, and you you mentioned the likes of um Dave Ram uh, Dave Ramsey as well. Um, and he he links into my my final book uh, that I'll touch in a bit um later on um indirectly. But before I do that, um, I'll actually just say a few honourable mentions for books that I've read. I'm going to say in the last 18 months um, and one of any books by Dave Ramsey, man, I mean, just absolutely brilliant. He's got uh, Total Money Makeover. Um, I don't know if you've actually read um, his books. I know you watch him on YouTube and stuff, but I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. I haven't read um, any of his books, but I watch a lot of his, um, him and... um... Was, uh, is it Chris Hogan? No, not Chris Hogan. What's the other guy's name? Um, um, Henry Cloud. 
Yeah, the, the black guy. The black guy, that's uh, Chris Hogan. That's his name. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, the other one, the younger chap, uh, his name is just completely left my head. I yes, know. yes, yes. No, I'm talking about the bigger one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why the name just left my head, but I watched um, the episodes and I think it's great to listen to the calls and what people are dealing with their day to days and the kind of advice that Dave and Chris give them. Uh, but no, I've not actually read the um, Total Money Makeover, but yeah. it's almost like I have because I've heard so much about it. Exactly. It's such a brilliant book, man. Um, um, actually, in our episode, uh, Getting Your Finances Ready for 2021, um, a lot of it uh, is quite similar to some of uh, David Ramsey's, um, what he calls them, seven baby steps to financial like, yeah. freedom and stuff. Um, and now the other chap um, on the show has come to mind. His name is Anthony O'Neill. But yeah, man, uh, Dave Ramsey books, definitely recommend them. And one of the people that also joins them is someone called, I want to say, Dr. Henry Cloud, and he's got a book called Boundaries, and this is all about when to say yes and when to say no, whether this is business, family, or whatever. And the reason why I'm mentioning all of this, because yes, the whole journey to financial freedom, um, independence, whatever you want to call it, funny enough, it's not not just all about money. (laughs) There's so much things that go into it. So you hear us talk about so much on this podcast, which all links um, you know, the physical, emotional, mental well-being side of things, because in order for you to even be able to achieve some of the things that we talk about, you need to be operating in the best version of yourself, essentially. Correct. With, with whatever tools you have. Obviously, there are limitations, but we have our bodies. How can we be the best version of ourselves whilst we have our bodies on this earth? So, yeah, there's so many books that speak into that, which in effect, allow us to use our time even much more better to achieve some of those goals. So I think it's just so important to reiterate that money, yes, you can. there's many ways to amass it, but there's so much more to it. And so the final book that I'm going to touch on that I read, um, and it's a, I, can't, I don't know the release date, but I know it's quite new, but it's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by um, someone called John Mark Comer. Um, and this book is all about getting us to slow down. <laughs> it seems like every book that you um, have mentioned is the kind of books that I should be reading. Um, from Boundaries, which I still haven't finished reading, and yeah. now The Elimination of Hurry, which is actually something I, I'm, I am someone who, um, I, I like to get things done and I'm, I'm very, I take, I'm a take action guy, but sometimes taking action is um, just an excuse to be quite impatient. So yeah. potentially I should be buying this book of your recommendation. Listen, in all honesty, um, since 2020, and I read this, I think January 2020, going into February, definitely the best book I've read so far um, since that day, um, by far. Um, and I've read a few other books since then. Um, it's, as I said, it's a book that just gets us to slow down. It's a massive trigger. It triggers us because given the world that we live in, in the world of social media, in the world of instant gratification, wanting things now, hurrying up, um, it tells us to just slow down. It goes into the biology of how our body works, the release of dopamine and us wanting more and more and more. And all these feelings that we get from things like social media are just as addictive as whether it's sugar, um, uh, drugs, etc. But and it just allow it just again makes us to rely on it so much, so much, so much, constantly driving our bodies into overdrive, um, and that that's what causes these imbalances in our body, which messes up our emotional state, our mental state, etc. So, I'll give even an example. It talks about 
I mentioned things like social media, I mentioned instant gratification, but even things like when you're driving, you know, if you're on a 30 mile per hour road over here in London, Jacks, on a, in London streets, some roads are now 20 miles per hour. The majority of roads are now 20 miles per hour. Where's it now, which is, you know, I'm pretty sure at, if I was being chased by a dog or something, I could run faster than that. Oh, whatever. So, <laughs> so um, being on these roads, there could be a car that's maybe doing 19, 18, and you, you're behind it, and it's a single file road. In the past, before I read this book, I'm not going to lie, Jax, I can find myself getting very impatient because I want to speed up. Oh, and yes. You tempted to just beat them to say, yo, man, let's just pick up the pace to like at least 25 where you can't get, you know, in certain parts, you can't get caught on the camera or whatever. Um, but listen, I've started, um, from this book, I just started to question myself and the book really challenged me. It said, literally, why are you in a rush? Peter, don't you think this is funny? Because when we were younger, um, over nearly over a decade ago now, we used to always say things like, Why are you rushing? Because you know, I think <laughs> my mom used to say that to our friends all the time. It was what is actually our friends. Why are you rushing? <laughs> I literally, when we're in a, in the line in the store in the supermarket, we're queuing up, but we can't stand to go for the longer queue. Literally, ask yourself why. Mm. We literally can, our bodies literally cannot take to be in that state of just waiting. Even if we're not in a rush for something, we will still join the quicker queue. Um, and it just got me to just change my mindset so much. Um, and now, guess what? When I'm driving on the roads, number one, I would always, I usually stay within the speed limit, but I'm not trying to rush beyond that. Um, yeah take the quickest opportunity to get into the fast lane, etc., and just general things in life. Um, one uh, final tick takeaway, and I mentioned things like social media, is that it supported me into understanding the importance of taking technology breaks. Yes. When I say technology breaks, I mean literally imagining you're in the 1920s when or even earlier than that, when there was no TV, there was none of this, there was no phones, there was nothing. And what would you be doing? Mm. And allowing yourself to actually experience that feeling. You might feel bored, but when was the last time you allowed yourself to experience that thought of feeling? Because normally if we feel bored, we'll go on our phone, we will check what's happening on Insta, we'll check the news, we'll check this, we'll check that. Literally our body is just 24-7 in overdrive. Um, and this, as I said, this book has just got me to really slow down. And when I've taken social media breaks, so I've taken weekends off where literally my phone, everything is off. Let me tell you this now, those weekends I've found to be the most productive weekends mm. I've had because you then realise how much time you actually have in a day. Yes. Do other things, whether it's reading, whether it's writing down your vision, whether it's planning business ideas or whatever. And it just allows your mind to just settle. So, yeah, man, that's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. It's definitely been a life-changing uh, book for me and those that I've recommended it to. Well, that's definitely going on my shopping list of books to read um, this year because it, it sounds like something that I, and I think everybody needs to um, read in order to just allow ourselves to slow down. I think, you know, very interestingly, Peter, um, as you know, I, I post YouTube videos on, on finance and stuff and investing. And one of my investment themes is actually playing on consumer behavioral finance and, and how people behave and one of the um one of my themes is um what i call i call it convenience and then i laugh and i say it's actually to do with people's impatience mm. um and people's laziness as well 
um, because we want things to be done so quickly. That's why we are so um, addicted to Amazon and, and next day delivery and these kind of stuff. Um, and that allows me to invest in companies that allow um, the facilitation of, if that's even a word, um, of these being able to consume goods and services very, very quickly. But, you know, speaking more about just um, individual um, kind of how you manage yourself and that kind of stuff is something that I, I do struggle with in terms of I'm doing things very quickly and lacking patience and um, producing a lot of content on social media and also consuming content on social media. It is something that I've tried to work on, for example, taking breaks off social media. And as you say, it is revolutionary. It is revolutionary. We talk, we consistently talk about 24 hours um, not being enough in a day, but the truth of the matter is it's more than enough. <laughs> it's more than enough. Um, if only you will plan properly and if only you actually look to see where your time actually goes and what you use your time for. So absolutely love the idea of the book. So I would definitely be buying the book. Sweet, man. Definitely, definitely recommend it, man. Um, Jax, man, it's been great to just break bread with one another and just share our thoughts on some books, man. Hopefully our listeners um, have found something useful for, uh, from that as well. And to thanks to all of our list, our listeners that just send you know ideas for different episodes and just share your thoughts and ask us questions as well. So perhaps for those listeners, um, send some of your um, recommendations on some books that have had an impact on your life, man. We'll love to see. And this is just part one. You know, we one day we'll probably just give the, those books a shout out on some of our episodes as well, man. Yep, sure, man. Absolutely. Loved it. Cool, man. Jax, man. Always a pleasure, man. Until the next time. And remember to all of our listeners. Stay woke.